Alright, this is chapter 31 of Moral Engines. It is called The Eavesdropper. London gathered speed, racing toward the mountains, semi-static towns that had hidden for years on these high steps were startled out of their torpor by its coming and went lumbering away, leaving behind them green patches of farmland and once a whole static suburb. The city paid no heed to any of them. The whole of London knew the mayor, the Lord Mayor's plan by now. In spite of the cold, people gathered on the forward observation decks and peered through telescopes towards Shango, eager for their first glimpse of the legendary wall. Soon, they told each other, this very night, a whole new hunting ground. Most people at the museum were used to Catherine and Dog by now, and nobody paid very much attention as she hastened through the lower galleries with the white wolf trotting behind her. A few noticed the frantic look in her eyes and the tears on her face, but before they could ask her what was wrong or proffer a pocket handkerchief, she had swept past, heading toward Mr. Nancaro's office at a near run. There she found a smell of turpentine and the lingering scent of the art historian's pipe tobacco, but no Nancaro, and no Beavis Pod. She ran back out into the hallway, where a fat third-class apprentice was mopping the floors. Mr. Nancaro's in the storerooms, miss, he told her sullenly. He's got that funny new bloke with him. The funny new bloke was helping Mr. Nancaro drag a picture out of the storage racks when Catherine burst in. It was a huge gilt-framed painting called Quirk Oversees the Rebuilding of London by Walmart Strange, and when Beavis dropped the end, he was holding it, the, the end he was holding, it made a crash that echoed and re-echoed through the dusty storeroom like a small explosion. I say pod, complained Nancaro angrily, but then he too saw Catherine's face and quickly restrained himself. You look as if you need a nice cup of tea, Miss Valentine, he muttered, hurrying away into the maze of racks. Kate? Beavis Pod took a few uncertain steps toward her. What's happened? He wasn't used to comforting people. It was not the sort of thing an apprentice engineer was trained for. He held his arms out stiffly to touch her shoulders and looked shocked when she flung herself against him. Eh, he said, there, there. Beavis, she sniffled. It's up to us now. We have to do something. Tonight. Tonight? He frowned, struggling to keep up with her rapid, half-sobbed explanations. But do you mean just us alone? I thought your father was going to help us. He's not my father anymore, said Catherine bitterly, and realized that it was true. She clung to Beavis as tightly as she could, as if he were a raft that could carry her safely across this mire of misery and guilt. Father's Chrome's man. That's why I got rid... That's why I've got to get rid of Medusa. Do you see? I've got to make amends for the things he's done. Nan Carroll came pottering back with two tin mugs of tea. Um, oh, ah, uh, he mumbled, embarrassed at finding his two young friends in one another's arms. I mean, yes, paperwork, mustache, back in an hour or two, carry on, pod. As he left, he almost fell over the fat third-class apprentice who had been mopping the passage just outside the storeroom door. For Quirk's sake, Meliphant, they heard him snap. Can you keep out of the way? But Herbert Meliphant could not keep out of the way.
Ever since his demotion, he had been looking for a handhold that would help him claw his way back to first class. This pod person had caught his eye a few days ago. This stranger who seemed so friendly with the old guildsman, who went about with the head historian's daughter, who dressed as an apprentice, but who didn't sleep with the others in the dormitory or join them for lessons. He had heard on goggle screens that the Guild of Engineers were still hunting the people who had infiltrated their secret meeting, and he was starting to suspect that Dr. Van Brace might be very interested in Nan Caro's little helper. As soon as the old man was out of sight, he put down his mop and pail and stepped back to the door. Alright, this is chapter 31 of Mortal Engines, which is called The Eavesdropper. London gathered speed, racing toward the mountains, semi-static towns that had hidden for years on these high steps were startled out of their torpor by its coming and went lumbering away, leaving behind them green patches of farmland and once a whole static suburb. The city paid no heed to any of them. The whole of London knew the the Lord Mayor's plan by now. In spite of the cold, people gathered on the forward observation decks and peered through telescopes towards Shango, eager for their first glimpse of the legendary wall. Soon, they told each other, this very night, a whole new hunting ground. Most people at the museum were used to Catherine and Dog by now, and nobody paid very much attention as she hastened through the lower galleries with the white wolf trotting behind her. A few noticed the frantic look in her eyes and the tears on her face, but before they could ask her what was wrong or proffer a pocket handkerchief, she had swept past, heading toward Mr. Nancaro's office at a near run. There, she found a smell of turpentine and the lingering scent of the art historian's pipe tobacco, but no Nancaro, and no Beavis Pod. She ran back out into the hallway, where a fat third-class apprentice was mopping the floors. Mr. Nancaro's in the storerooms, miss, he told her sullenly. He's got that funny new bloke with him. The funny new bloke was helping Mr. Nancaro drag a picture out of the storage racks when Catherine burst in. It was a huge gilt-framed painting called Quirk Oversees the Rebuilding of London by Walmart Strange. And when Beavis dropped the end, he was holding it, the the end he was holding, it made a crash that echoed and re-echoed through the dusty storeroom like a small explosion. I say pod, complained Nancaro angrily. But then he, too, saw Catherine's face and quickly restrained himself. "'You look as if you need a nice cup of tea, Miss Valentine,' he muttered, hurrying away into the maze of racks. "'Kate?' Beavis Pod took a few uncertain steps toward her. "'What's happened?' He wasn't used to comforting people. It was not the sort of thing an apprentice engineer was trained for. He held his arms out stiffly to touch her shoulders and looked shocked when she flung herself against him. Eh, he said, they're there. Beavis, she sniffled, it's up to us now. We have to do something. Tonight. Tonight? He frowned, struggling to keep up with her rapid, half-sobbed explanations. But do you mean just us alone? I thought your father was going to help us. He's not my father anymore. 
said Catherine bitterly, and realized that it was true. She clung to Beavis as tightly as she could, as if he were a raft that could carry her safely across this mire of misery and guilt. Father's Chrome's man. That's why I got rid... That's why I've got to get rid of Medusa. Do you see? I've got to make amends for the things he's done. Nan Carroll came pottering back with two tin mugs of tea. Um, oh, uh, he mumbled, embarrassed at finding his two young friends in one another's arms. I mean, yes, paperwork, mustache, back in an hour or two, carry on, Pod. As he left, he almost fell over the fat third-class apprentice who had been mopping the passage just outside the storeroom door. For court's sake, Melifant, they heard him snap. Can you keep out of the way? But Herbert Melifant could not keep out of the way. Ever since his demotion, he had been looking for a handhold that would help him claw his way back to first class. This pod person had caught his eye a few days ago. This stranger who seemed so friendly with the old guildsman, who went about with the head historian's daughter, who dressed as an apprentice, but who didn't sleep with the others in the dormitory or join them for lessons. He had heard on goggle screens that the Guild of Engineers were still hunting the people who had infiltrated their secret meeting, and he was starting to suspect that Dr. Van Brace might be very interested in Nan Caro's little helper. As soon as the old man was out of sight, he put down his mop and pail and stepped back to the door.